I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The funny story is I was never interested. Right. right. I just wanted to buy insurance. Okay. So uh, one random day, uh, I think this was like when I just started my, or a few months in my first job or second job. Yeah. Then um, my longtime friend did the whole I want to get coffee, coffee thing. thing. Okay. Yeah. Right. And when he met me, I started realizing like, oh my god, like I'm taking the time to meet this guy, but I don't understand anything that he's saying. Mm. When I went home, I kind of started thinking like, is this the best way to do this? Hello and welcome to Chill with TFC, where we look for the quirkiest and geekiest people to share with you their views on money and on life. I'm your host, Andrew, and today we are chilling with Joey, the designer, founder, and creative brains behind the popular personal finance Instagram account, Seth Finance. Together, we'll be exploring how a creative like her ended up in the financial literacy industry, and more importantly, to hear an unbiased and honest take on insurance. If you're looking for tips on how to think about insurance, keep listening. This is Chill with TFC. So we have Joey with us from Sav Finance. Sav, if you spell it, is S-A-V dot finance. So what is Sav Finance? Um, it's basically a personal finance media platform. We are mainly on Instagram now. And um, we share relatable, uh, actionable finance tips on our Instagram platform. And then we also bring in experts to answer questions that people have. And that would be primarily through DMs. Yeah, so I saw your IG page and it says DMRs for H2H chats. Yeah. And you're speaking directly to your target audience because they should know what H2H means, right? Which is yeah, heart to heart. Who are you targeting? <laughs> okay, that means you're... Mill- millennial, millennial. Yeah, that I'm means a, you're our target audience. I'm a target audience because mm. like H2H, I know what it means. Mm. If someone have to ask them, maybe they'll yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. auto-filter out. Yes. Okay, so H2H chats. So you get experts to answer them in your DMs. How, the, how yeah. does that work actually? So um, it used to be us answering the questions but then since then we kind of want to bring in more people with more expertise. So yeah, now we are in the process of interviewing and confirming some experts in different types of topics like career also, personal finance definitely, and wellness mm. to help answer some questions or problems that our followers have. Yeah. Okay, so you have a website and you are primarily on the IG page giving many useful tips yeah. and they are very easy to digest mm. and you have a, a DM service in which anyone can ask you any. Thing about finances, right? Yeah, and not just finances. Oh. So we started off with personal finance, but we've seen moved on to broader topics like career, housing, and like I mentioned, wellness. Because mm. we think that those topics are also very closely related to someone's money and personal finance. So I'm it's necessary to address. I'm just curious, how does it work as a business model? Like people DMing you and so how do you all sustain yourself as a business? Right now, we are actually working with other companies to provide services. So um, what we are hoping to do is that like with our followers and our community, we'll be able to go to these companies that are relevant to them and we'll be able to get them like discounts or better rates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I foresee that that is... Uh, 
a challenging direction to take because companies are moving towards automation, yes. right? Or robots answering you, but yes, you're, yes. you have real people answering our questions about finances and like you said, all aspects of your life as well. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering, how does that work? And why do you choose this particular direction? Yeah, we definitely thought about like um, automating it and using uh, chatbots, for example. But I was very insistent on having real humans because I feel like everyone's journey or everyone's issues are unique to their own. And it's impossible for a robot or it's impossible for us to, you know, select answers or automate answers generically because, mm. you know, it's based on each person's individual situation. Personal finance is very personal. Yes, very yeah, personal. It, it really depends on your circumstances and your, your goals as well. Well, this is a challenging direction to take, but you are doing it because of the personal touch that you want to mm, want to mm, have. Mm. And, and then you're developing from that point onwards. Yeah. What else makes you different from other you know, finance platforms or, you know, content websites out there? So there are a lot of media, finance media accounts out there like Work Salary Man. And then there are also like um, financial, actual financial advisory that are online like um, Money Owl. Mm. So I think we are kind of like if both of them had a child. So like for Work <laughs> okay. Salary Man, you get information, but you can't really get personalized advice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And for um, websites like Money Owl, uh, you kind of, fill in a questionnaire, but you still have to contact an actual like insurance agent or financial advisor, which I think for people growing up in our generation, like we really hate that type of trouble. Mm. So we kind of combined those two and made it as simple as possible for for millennials, basically. Mm. And um, more recently, we decided to pivot towards a more female-focused angle because most of our followers are actually females. I would say up to 70%. So I think that itself is it doesn't really exist in Singapore yet, like a female-focused financial platform. Okay. So people slide into your DMs yes, <laughs> and ask often. you questions very often. And you openly say DM us for H2H chats. Mm. And so what kind of questions do you get? What do they talk to you about? In terms of personal finance, the most, the three most common questions are like, how do I budget? The second one would be like, as a beginner, I, I have this amount of money. How should I invest my money? And then the third one would be, should I get endowment plans instead or should I cancel my endowment plans or ILPs? Well, let's, let's take this opportunity to address these commonly asked questions. How would you answer them? Um, so for the budgeting question, we kind of have our own little formula, which is 41212. So each of them represent like a percentage. Mm. So for 40%, it would be it will go into your expenditure, 10% to your savings, 20% to your investments, mm another 10% into your insurance and then another 20% to your wants. Yeah. Okay. Wants so, like your desires, travel yeah. and all so that. So for the 40%, it will be like your um essential expenditure. Like if you're renting, like paying your rent, food, food transport. Yeah. Okay. And, and then you divide it accordingly. How did you overcome that for yourself? Though? Or when, when did you get interested in this whole personal finance? space so the funny story is i was never interested right right. i just wanted to buy insurance okay so uh one random day uh i think this was like when i just started my or a few months in my first job or second job yeah then um my longtime friend did the whole i want to get coffee coffee thing thing. okay yeah and when he met me i started realizing like oh my god, Like I'm taking the time to meet this guy, but I don't understand anything that he's saying. Mm. When I went home, I kind of started thinking like, is this the best way to do this this insurance thing? Like, I have to go and meet this guy. And then he shows me a bunch of number. 
And then he asked me like, okay, what are my goals in the next 20 years? I don't even know what are my goals in the next one year. Like, how do I know if I want to buy a house? How do I know if I want to buy a car? And then like, he shows me all these charts that I also don't understand. And then I have to decide whether I want to spend like a few thousand dollars based on that thing. Mm. So yeah, that was when the huge idea... decision, right? Yeah, it's like a huge chunk of my income mm. is going towards this. And I want to make sure that I fully understand it. But also... I really cannot do numbers. So that, that was how like the idea of self came about. Yeah. Okay. People will definitely share with you their own personal circumstances, right? Yeah. How do you add nuance to the answers that you give them? They'll tell you maybe their, their, their family member is sick or they have a certain debt. How, how would you advise then? Usually, we, we will adjust these percentages based on like the personal circumstances. Mm. And we also say this thing very often, which is that just try to save up six months worth of income for any like special, like unique accidents that, right. you know, may arise mm. so that you don't have to touch all these other sides of your funds. Mm. Is so, that the emergency fund concept? Six yeah, months? So that's where the savings come in. Okay. Of course, like a lot of people say like, oh, I don't really need 40% of my income for expenditure. Right. That's like way I too much. spend a lot less. Yeah. Maybe. So obviously that's great. And then just put the rest into your savings mm. until you build up the six months worth of emergency funds and then we will advise them to invest the rest. Okay, so just like any other financial content you see out there, I mean, you don't take it as the, the only truth, right? You got to yeah. adjust it according to your situation. 41212, that's a good guide but you can just adjust yeah. it accordingly. And I feel like for budgeting, a lot there are also a lot of different methods you can go mm. about doing it. Like some people use like different apps. I personally hate using budgeting apps. <laughs> How do you budget? Yeah. So I, I've really been trying like every single app out there mm -hmm. and I have a few that kind of work but I'm very forgetful so I always forget to log in my expenses right. and my income and everything. I tried a method where I do like a daily budget mm. so I, I force myself to spend less than 30 bucks a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And then if it exceeds, I would adjust my budget based on that. That worked for some time and I forgot to input it again. So I feel like it's an ongoing process to find out what you like. It's, it's still ongoing for me as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think that's an interesting thing to, to talk about because I, I think we'll have tried different budgeting methods. Mm. I have tried to lock every expense before. It, it didn't really work for me because I feel that then you're very fixated on the, the nitty-gritty and the smaller things mm -hmm. in life. So right now, I just see my bank account at the end of the month, how much debit how much it, mm. it goes out. So it's a income versus expenses kind of thing. Yeah. So you mentioned you you use apps, but it didn't really work out for you. Some people might set aside maybe a fixed amount every month for food yeah. transport, right? I don't know, they put an envelope or something. Yeah. And you read this in books, right? Yeah. yeah. What other methods uh, are there um, that you are exploring or have explored? Yeah, I've had like friends who uh, do that. They, they, I mean, they don't use envelopes. Uh, that one is <laughs> yeah, that's like a, is from some old, old school, old school <laughs> yeah, yeah. finance yeah. books, right? Yeah. So, so they do like different <laughs> bank accounts and um, ah, okay. like one specific bank account just to spend on um, right. essentials. Mm, mm, yeah, mm. so that's a method as well. Um, yeah, there, there are like some apps that are quite fun that try to make people remember to log. Like mm. there is one app What's the... So they have some gamification. Yeah, thing. it's called Fortune City, which I've tried before. Oh, okay. So you like build a city, it's like Sims. The <laughs> more you lock, then like your city gets bigger and it's like very cute. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So yeah, I do I do suggest for people who haven't really figured out a way to go and try different apps, explore mm. different apps and see which one maybe can uh, help them be more consistent. Yeah. yeah, because I think starting out using an app is very useful because mm. you may not have an idea of like how much you're spending yet every yeah. month. Right, so find out what works for you. Mm. Don't be overwhelmed. Just just start with something, whatever. Yeah. Fortune City, let, let's just go with that. Yeah. And if it doesn't work for you, then you know 
why it doesn't work and then you can find another app that might replace that. Yeah, that's, that's the best way, I think. So what's the second most uh, commonly asked question that we can address? I think one uh, question that's asked very often is what insurance I should get if I just started working. Ah, okay, so yeah. the insurance question. We, we do have a plan to cover insurance in depth in today's episode because uh, Self Finance started off primarily focused on uh, providing insurance-related re- content, right? So we can go into that as part of today's episode because many of our listeners are also asking us for you know content about insurance. Like, what insurance should I get? That's the most common question. So we, we can address that in, in depth later. How about the third commonly asked question? Um, the third most commonly asked question is, should I uh, go for endowment plans? And also like those who bought like, is it advisable to cancel them? Okay. I think that's because like a lot of fresh grads are being sold endowment plans for some reason. I do, think, do you think endowment plans are getting a bad reputation? Uh, yeah, like people are asking a question. Okay. Yeah. yeah should so, I cancel? Yeah. yeah. Should I cancel? That's a very common question. And actually, I, I myself, I'm going through this question. Right? <laughs> Have you canceled? Is it still there? Uh, I'm still deciding. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So yes, I do think that endowment plans get a bad rap. I don't think that it's completely unnecessary for everybody. So, uh, for example, for someone like me, if back when I just graduated and just started my first job, I kind of understand why I agreed to it because first of all, I just started my job. I haven't really saved any money and I've been spending basically the first few years uh, when you get a job, at least for me, my thought process was, okay, let me just enjoy a few years Mm. first. I'm just not going to save because I can save after a few years. And I think for endowment plans, it helps people like that. Like if you really cannot save, then at least it's a forced savings there, right? I think the main issue that people have is that is that lock-in period, which is super long. Mm. So for me, it's like 20 years. Okay. And I've already paid for like five years and I still have to pay 20 more years. Okay, so if you cancel, what will you lose or what will happen? There is a surrender value. Okay. So it's lesser, it's definitely lesser than what you have paid for the premiums. So for me, I'm, I'll be losing um, about 3 to 4k. Mm. Yeah. So I guess the deciding factor for me is whether or not it, it's worth it for me to pay for another 10 more years or sh- would it make more sense for me to like try get back that 3 to 4k uh, loss through other investments that, are, that have higher returns. Mm, mm. Yeah. So do you have to see it as sunk cost or do you see it as opportunity cost? Yes. What's mm. your main consideration whether you should cancel or not? Right now, I'm still in a consideration stage, mm. right? So I'm just thinking, is it worth it for me to pay another okay. like decade for this okay, plan? Okay, is it 10 years or whatever you have yeah. paid before? So it's really all about the numbers. Mm, mm, yeah, which mm. one makes more sense? And yeah, you just have to go and like work it out. And I think it's very useful to talk to your advisor who sold you the plan. Mm. But it's also very important to have like a second opinion. Because mm. like if you go and ask your advisor, Wouldn't they, they tell you to stay, right? Stay, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's important to ask them difficult questions. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, but what about why can't I put my money into this other thing? Wouldn't it be better? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then but, they might sell you some other plans. <laughs> true. So um, there are a lot of other options out there like mm. robos and right. like, you know, investing yourself in, in like broker, true brokers, right? So mm. yeah, I brought out those questions and on top of that, I think it's also important to have a second opinion. Okay. So at SEF, like that's also something that we do. That's why we get that kind of questions a lot. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's good to have like a stranger, uh, independent opinion on on your situation. I think you you provide more clarity. Yeah. Okay. So 
do you have any case studies, examples, you know, something from your clients, someone from your DMs who took your advice and then they acted on it and they shared with you and it was like, wow, okay, heartwarming story or a success story. Something like that comes to mind? Um, I feel like for personal finance, right, it's very hard to classify something as success story because mm. it's not an immediate return that you get, right? Right. So I would say most of like the thank you DMs that we get is mm. it's more of like oh thank you I feel like I, I have more clarity yeah. or I found my direction mm. yeah so so those are quite heartwarming and those that are not personal finance related I would say would be more success stories like we have a lot of career questions as well right. yeah and um, they would come back and say like oh um, because of what you advised like I finally quit my job after mm. struggling for so long and I'm so much happier yeah, yeah. So well, I think like what that. you provide is clarity, mm. right? And sometimes they just need someone to talk to or yeah. in, like you say, a, a third party, someone yeah. who's really objective and who can share with you yeah. candidly. And, and I think there is a nuance there because a lot of other platforms or people that you can talk to, they can be quite, how do I put it, like rigid in the thinking. Mm. I mean, of course, advice is always good intention, right? So they will advise you to do something, but it's like, okay, you have to do this. If not, you will not be able to achieve this. this, mm -hmm. this. And I feel like at Seth, um, our approach is very, it's more human in a sense that we always tell people like it's okay if you can't follow what we are suggesting. It's not the only way to, mm. to, get, what, to get where you want to be. Okay. So yeah, I think that's important as well. What is, what's your take on the personal finance space that you see that you're operating in? you know, financial content, all these blogs, all these different YouTube websites. Like, like what's your take and how do you position self to provide something different from what you're seeing out there? Um, I think that it's great that there are a lot of options now. Um, so Yeah, like it, Singapore's so small, but there's so many blogs right? and YouTube so channels. I, I think back when I just started working or, or rather like just right before the rise of these uh, Instagram accounts like Work Salary Man, mm, Simple Sum, right. it's mainly just blogs. And then it's like super long form articles that mm. is like a lot of words, right? So now there are like podcasts, blogs, the YouTube videos. And I think it's good for everyone to figure out what platform suits them the best. So for me personally, I use Instagram the most. Mm. So it comes natural to me to find information there. But like, for example, for Gen Zs, they may be on TikTok the most. Yeah. And you, you can find financial information there as well. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I think that's great. But the problem now is that like, so out of so many things, like which one should you trust? And then like out of so many different advice, which one should you take? Yeah. So for that, I think one thing that Seth has always like, I wouldn't say fought for, but like one of our principles is that it's for them to make their own decision. So it's good to have all these different opinions and then you have to form your own um, judgment or, or decide on your own based on your own factors. Mm. Yeah, because everyone's situation is different, right? like we mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can yeah. take from all these different channels, platforms, but you still have to come to your own decision. And while you mentioned blogs and then you mentioned TikTok, do you also think that, well, TikTok, it's more, it depends on the medium, right? Mm. And IG itself is where you're operating mostly. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. 
while you can go in depth with words, with blogs, but on TikTok, you just have to go, you know, really surface level because mm. of the short attention span, 15 seconds. Do, do you think this plays a part? Does this make a difference in the type of the depth of the financial content that we could possibly get? Is TikTok too, too, too shallow to get financial advice from? Um, I would say like Instagram is where we share r- relatable short financial information, but TikTok is like even shorter, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I would say like the type of finance finance stuff there would be um, very surface level, um, which is great if you just want to have some big concepts, like learn some big concepts. Mm. But I guess it's not really suitable if you're looking for like really in-depth advice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, so that was uh, self-finance. Oh, we early on mentioned that we want to go in-depth into to insurance, right? So because mm-hmm. a bit of history, a bit of background, because self-finance started off more focused on, on insurance, right? So first of all, well, how should we think about insurance as part of our entire you know, financial planning for ourselves? I think for us, it's very important to get people to separate insurance and investments. Mm. So insurance to us is just a way to protect yourself if shit happens, basically. Mm. And investment is what you want to put your money to, to grow your money. So we usually don't advise people to combine the two. Yeah, so we're going to go into ILPs, right? Investment link policies. <laughs> <laughs> Also Usually. something that, that people t- maybe might have a bad rep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell um, me about it. Well, yeah. generally we don't recommend ILPs to our our followers or our audience. Um, oh. As mentioned, we want our our stance is always like separate investments and insurance. Mm. And we don't want anything to happen to your protection when like the investments markets. go sour. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So that's the reason why we don't usually recommend because we feel like there are way better options out there. Okay. Yeah. But uh, we do agree that there may be some situations where it's suitable. Like, okay. So yeah. get insurance, get investments, but don't conflate the two. So now that we understand the purpose of insurance for you know protection, for coverage, let, let's clear up some terms first. They don't call them they don't call it insurance agents nowadays, right? Is it's all called financial advisors, really? <laughs> I I, yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Do you have a question about that? <laughs> no, I was just wondering because people might not be too sure about the term fin- financial planner, financial advisor, and insurance agents, and just wondering if they might mean the same thing. Yeah. So technically speaking, an insurance agent is basically an agent that's tied to a company that sells that company's products. Mm. So, for example, like. A prudential will have insurance agents and traditionally speaking financial advisors are only applicable to independent um, advisors who have access to like products across companies mm-hmm. but I think in in Singapore's context it's a little blurry right now the lines because okay. like every single person is a financial advisor every single insurance agent calls themselves a financial advisor yeah. now and I think Okay, I may be wrong about this, mm-hmm. but based on what I'm hearing in the industry is because back in the day insurance agents started getting a very bad rap and they have been trying to change their labels to mm. to sort of come off as less or like more palatable. Okay. So it's like if an insurance agent come to you and I say, I'm an insurance agent, can I have a, some time to talk? Versus like, oh, I'm a financial advisor. Mm. Then maybe you want to talk to them more. Mm. So I think that's the that's what's happening. Okay. Yeah. That's what I heard too. And that's also me speaking from my own personal experience only. So if any of our listeners really know the background, you feel free to let us know mm. and we can you know cover it in the next few episodes or something in our podcast. So 
financial planning, financial advisor, insurance agents. So we're specifically talking about insurance today. Well, whereas my concept of like a financial advisor or financial planner, they might not be only providing you know insurance advice. They might mm. provide you you know funds that you can invest in. They yeah. might not be insurance related. Yeah. yeah. So that that's possible. So in terms of insurance, where, where do I begin? You know, so your customers or people who go to self finance, they, they DM you like they ask what insurance should I get? How do you answer them? Usually, we would recommend getting like three basic ones. Okay. So, we call this like the basic package. Uh. So, one of it would be hospital plan. So, um, hospital plan basically uh, pays for your hospital bills when you when you get warded. Okay. And then, second one we will advise them to get would be uh, personal accident. Mm. So, if there is a situation where like you get injured or get into an accident but you don't get warded. Mm. So, that covers that, that aspect. Okay. And then, the third would be critical illness. Okay. So the point of critical illness plans, right, is actually to um, give you income while you are sick. Yeah. So, okay, touch wood. let's just say you get cancer and then you cannot work for like five years. Mm. So your critical illness plan will make sure that you have money coming in these five years that you're not getting income mm. otherwise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I see is that these cover scenarios whereby income stop coming in. Yeah. Or you could be hospitalized and therefore you need to pay for the hospitalization fees, right? Yeah. Life insurance is not in there. Yeah. So for life insurance, we only uh, recommend to those who have dependents. So this can be like your parents if you know that uh, you have to support them when they're old and uh, or if you have kids right now. So for a lot of our followers who just started working and are not... So like this generation... A lot of them are not in the sandwich generation anymore, which is that they have to support their parents. So depending on the personal situation, we wouldn't recommend life insurance if they have no dependents at the moment. Okay. How about term plans? So term plans or whole life plans. Yeah, we usually recommend term plans because... Term versus whole life. Yes. So for term, you're basically covered for that that period that you buy it for. And then if you cancel it, that's it, right? Uh, We prefer that because we want to keep insurance as easy as possible as a concept to understand. And we want to keep it as straightforward as possible to these people who just got started. That's why we usually uh, recommend term instead of whole life. Mm-hmm. And I also realized in recent years, because you mentioned critical illness, uh, recent years there's been a focus on early critical illness yeah. and all that. So it, it gets more confusing for the layman, right? Mm-hmm. So how, how should I think about that? Well, for specific plans, right? I, I think it's really important to mm. have a conversation with someone instead of uh, just looking for looking out for posts or or content. I mean, you can you can DM us mm, okay. <laughs> with your with your personal situation, and we would advise accordingly. And there are a lot of nuances in those plans, like what illnesses are being covered. It's like a freaking long list. Yeah. So mm. we usually cover that uh, when we have conversations with our followers instead of posting because for Instagram, that's the that's the downside is that once you post something, right? it gets like flushed down mm-hmm. as you as you as we continue posting so it's very hard to be consistent like consistently bring up some posts mm. yeah it's too linear so is that a, a general framework to follow in terms of just to you know wrap up for our audience you know how should i think about insurance i'm interested in getting insurance because i think it's really important so how, how do i begin how do i start yeah so i think um the get the three three basic mm-hmm. ones look into that and uh, then you need to decide on your budget. So okay. previously we mentioned 10% should go to insurance. So figure out how much you can pay right now uh, for your insurance. And after that will be figuring out your coverage. Mm. 
So for that, there are a few recommendations that we have that I won't go into detail, right. but you can find them uh, on our Instagram page. So it's tr these three main things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those three plans, figure out your budget and then figure out your coverage. And then you should be settled um, for at least the next few years for okay. insurance. And as Dre mentioned, you adjust accordingly, right? Like yeah. you put 10%, but you can have more, can have a bit less. Yeah. You don't have the one shot get all of them, right? Yeah. So, because if my, my income not enough. Yeah. So <laughs> that sometime. really depends. But we actually have done like calculations for a lot of people already. And for example, for a 25-year-old, maybe your salary is about 3K. The appropriate plans, inclusive of all three plans, it will still be below the 10%. Mm, okay. So I think that that's a good uh, benchmark. Okay. So from your personal conversations with those who, who DM you, what do you think is stopping people from getting insurance or finding more about insurance? Is it a psychological thing? Like, you know, what if, what if I buy the wrong plan? Like you mm -hmm. mentioned earlier on, you know, what if you have to cancel the endowment plan later on? Things like that. Or is it, there's just too much information out there that is confusing? What do you think is the obstacle here? Actually, I think the generation now they are not opposed to buying insurance at all. In fact, a lot of people or most people know that they have to buy and they are looking to buy right after they graduate or right when they start their first job. I think the major issue now is that, well, all along is that it's very difficult to find someone that you can trust. So personally for me, it's like when my friends from a long time ago text me and then I will know they want to meet for coffee, for coffee yeah. <laughs> and then like maybe sell me something. But other than that, I don't really have any other sources that I can go and look for. So that's usually one of the setbacks that people get. So it's like, I have to go through so many hoops. I have to jump through so many hoops, meet so many people. Then I need to think to myself, like, which one is the most trustworthy? Why? Blah, 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 blah. And then first of all, I don't even want to go out and meet them anymore. If I meet them via Zoom, like, it's very hard to get that connection. Mm. And it's a very human thing, la, insurance, selling and, and buying. Because you need to depend on your agent, like when you go into hospital, you know, so... Yeah, it's, it's important to find someone you trust, but it's difficult. I think that's the main issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So insurance and also, you know, taking on a broader scope, investments, all aspects of your personal finance is, is so big, right? And therefore, self-finance, uh, it provides a platform for people to, to ask questions. Uh, any closing remarks on, you know, how someone should approach their personal finance if they are really scared about so many things to take care of? Yeah, I think first of all, like I mentioned, you need to find a platform that you're comfortable with already that you use in your daily life. So it doesn't come as a very, like a very separated thing, you know, because personal finance is your daily life. It's our daily life. We spend money every day. We save money. So I feel like find something that you're comfortable with. Look out for information there. So Seth is on Instagram. Um, There are a lot of uh, accounts on Instagram, but if you don't use Instagram, then it, it really doesn't, makes sense, right? So find something you're comfortable with. And I think the second thing would be like to cover the basics first. Like if you're really clueless, at least get the basic like insurance plans so that you are covered. Mm. And after that, you'll be able to explore more like in terms of investing. And then the most important thing there would be uh, whether or not you're curious la, to learn more. Because I do think that sometimes it comes with experience and time. I would say if five years ago you asked me like, to read things about investments, I'll be like, you know. But now, as, I grew, as I'm growing older, I am consciously looking out for those type of information. So I would say like, don't force yourself. Like if you really don't have that interest at that age, no matter how much like investment uh, stuff you read, right? It's not going to go into your head. Mm. Yeah. And and everyone's journey is different. La. That's why we always say, it doesn't mean that your, your other friend who's the same age as you has already like 100K in investments that you have to be the same. 
your goals may be different and your starting point is also different. So yeah. Right. Thank you, Joey. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Hey, I hope you've learned something useful today and I truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconuts. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our socials, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. For more information, check out thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead, stay tuned next week and remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Right, so what's your best and worst investment? Doesn't have to be financial related. I think my worst is like a branded bag I bought when I went on my trip to Italy. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was, I think... No, no, no. Um, it was six. less than that. No! Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was less than that. It was less than that. Four figures, four oh, figures. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so <laughs> I think um, I, I'm at this age where like, you know, most of my friends have gotten somewhere in their career and then yeah. they like have their like Chanel's mm-hmm. and all that. And I think back then, I kind of wanted to be the same. Mm. So I went to buy. La. But now I, after uh, almost a year of having it, I realized like, what's the point? I don't bring it out doesn't really add any value to my life. I use my other cheaper bags more often. So, yes, I'm thinking of selling it. Yeah, yeah. did it go up in value? Yes. No, no. Have a, no, no. <laughs> too short, oh, too that's short. Why <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it's not, it's your worst investment. Yeah. Okay, how about um, the best I think one? my best investment would be the place that I'm staying right now where I rented. Mm. So, um, a lot of people also ask us this question, like how do you decide whether to rent or not? Because a lot of them see it as like a, a cost, especially a cost towards your, like an opportunity cost like, if you're buying an HDB in, a, in the near future. But after, so I've been renting for about a year and I feel like it has done tremendous things to my mental health, mm. my productivity. If you're someone who can get the sense of privacy in your parents' place, then that's great. Yeah. But for people who can't, then I think it, it will be a very good investment to move out because you also learn how to really adult, mm. like to wash your own clothes, mm. cook your own food. So yeah, that, that has been the best investment I would say the past year. We could get you on an episode on renting versus buying. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can share your experience renting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, it, works for, it worked out for you. Yeah. Okay. So what's something that you spend under $100 that's been a game changer for you? Um. Okay, so other designers are going to like hate on me for this but my answer is Canva Pro. Oh, instead of Adobe. Yes. <laughs> so Canva is like a it's like a no-no for designers, you know. Yeah. Uh, for some reason. But it has been... But is it a certain disdain towards it or what? Like, um, in the, um, in because in, in Canva, you don't like design from scratch. Yeah, you know the templates I mean? there. Yeah, uh-huh. so... And it's like for beginners. It's yeah, meant it to be for like beginners. A, yeah. So yeah, but... Well, it has changed my designing life, really. So the thing about Canva is that you can use it on the go. So when I'm out and I need to whip up like a quick Insta story for for Seth, Mm -hmm. I can use Canva. Mm -hmm. I I won't be able to do it on Illustrator or Photoshop. So yeah, increased my my productivity a lot as well. Adobe better watch out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last question that we have for you today. What's a place that you learn from that you think is underrated? Could be a book, a blog, a website, podcast, what have you. Um, I don't have a specific medium, but I do have a specific website. So I'm on Product Hunt a lot, which oh, is okay. a very like weird thing to be on. Mm-hmm. But Can tell uh, us what Product Hunt is. So Product Hunt is basically like a website that lists all of the new startups or companies or products 
that are like very game changing. Yeah. So uh, it can be it can, it's across a lot of the industries. So like there's tech, there's finance, the the, the other stuff. Yeah, so I like to be on there. Like I'm like lurking on product all the time and look looking out for things that may be relevant to Seth. So it, it doesn't have to be finance related, but I like to look at other companies who are, you know, making waves in the industry. Like maybe like Wellfront, um, Elevest, there's Lemonade. Mm. So those are really fast growing companies in the US. And then I like to see like what they're doing that's so different and how we can learn from from all these companies. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.